to the Coco Express Network. Talk radio that informs. Talk radio that inspires. Talk radio that enlightens. Talk radio for us all. my uh, coach and my mentor in modeling 
she had, we've been friends for well over 20 years, and she's been modeling for at least, gosh, 15 to 20 years herself. And she had been looking at just some, you know, this is the age of the selfie, so she had been looking at some selfies that I had taken and was like, girl, you really should be modeling. You really should be doing this. And I was like, no, nah, that's your thing. That's really not my thing. Um, but about two years ago, um, I, I actually had recently, a couple of years prior to that, gotten a divorce out of a, a abusive situation. And... Um, you know, I, I had gotten to the point where I was like, you know what, I, I'm I'm going to dip my toe in this pool and see how it pans out um, and see if anything comes of it. So I didn't really make a conscious decision. I wasn't one of those uh, little girls that grew up always wanting to be a model. I just I never saw myself doing anything like that because I've always been uh, considered plus size in that sense because I'm tall and I had more of an athletic build growing up. So, you know, plus-size models were always a size zero or size two or something, and I don't think I ever even touched <laughs> those sizes ever at mm-hmm. any point in my life. Um, but, yeah, so I, I she really encouraged me to try it out and see, you know, if I liked it, if it was something that I would be interested in pursuing. And um, like I said, two years ago I did my first uh, photo shoot actually on Halloween, And she said, I'm going to get you published um, by December, by the end of the year, in at least three different publications. And I didn't believe her, but I actually ended up being published in five by the end of the year. So I said, there may be something to this. (laughs) There may be something to this. Yeah. So, I mean, from then on, it was full speed ahead. Oh, that is that is really amazing. Um, for your career just to skyrocket that quickly. And yeah. for you just to be a newcomer in the game, which is really more interesting because I believe a lot of people think that you have to be in the industry for uh, five, ten years before anyone really acknowledges that you exist. Right. Uh, I think, again, that's one of those old stereotypes. Um, it's just really about your commitment to what you're doing and, and you know, pursuing every avenue that you can in order to get the exposure and, you know, have the opportunity to be a part of some major productions, which I was blessed to be able to, to participate in between the um, actual print publications and social media um, as well as some runway productions. Um, really, social media is a great vehicle to reach a lot of people. So um, I have been seen on social media and have been contacted directly from my social media pages, you know, to be a part of mm. productions and things like that. So, you know, it's out there, and, and it doesn't require the footwork, you know, the pounding the pavement mm-hmm. like it once did. Um, but you do have to take it serious, and you do still have to invest in yourself. Okay. Now, with this platform that you have you have decided to branch out and do other things with it so it's like you have people's attention and they're not just looking at you but they're now they're listening to you and what are you saying right absolutely um I as I said mentioned a little while ago um I was actually in an abusive relationship so I'm very very passionate about speaking up for uh domestic violence survivors and victims um because it is an issue that, you know, we really only hear about 
when there's a high-profile uh, couple that's involved in a domestic situation, um, that's when we get, you know, we get a lot of commentary around it or we get a lot of um, people having their opinions about, you know, why is she or he staying in these situations and things like that. But I really am passionate about educating people from the perspective of the victim of, you know, what's really taking place and why it is that it's not always a cut, dry, black and white issue. Um, You do have to take into consideration a lot of variables when you are removing yourself from these types of situations. So it's not always that easy. And more often than not, there are a lot of people who have been in these types of relationships in the past. I mean, right now the statistics say that one in every three women will experience violence at the hand of an intimate uh, intimate partner um, at some point in their life. I can name 10 people that I know that have at some point in their life had to go through that. So it's happening so much. It's an epidemic, you know, throughout the world, and yet we barely talk about it. So I'm, I'm just really passionate about getting people more educated and advocating for those victims and those survivors, even once they come out of the relationship, understanding that it doesn't end there. You know, there's, there's a whole other process that has to take place. Oh, yeah. I, well, I can say I'm one of those people who have been in a, a bad situation. And wow. you're absolutely right. Um, once you come out of it, it's like, I'll liken it to slavery. Mm-hmm. Once you're no longer a slave and now that you're free and you're free, your mindset has to change from being that enslaved person to being that free person. Exactly. And, and how you retrain yourself, that is your survival tactic right there. Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of what I have deemed um, my assignment, my movement, which is the Purple Passage, um, purple being the the color that it represents domestic violence. Um, we just got out. We just you know finished Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which was October, and um, the passage for me was the transition. That transition from being that enslaved you know person physically you know and mm-hmm. and uh, metaphorically, and transitioning into the person that you were always purposed to be, you know, and, and that's always an empowered individual. You know, I just believe that, you know, God, when he spoke life into us, he gave us dominion over this earth and not each other. And so, you know, a lot of times when you're in these relationships, you don't understand or you don't remember um, that aspect of your life and you don't actually operate as an empowered individual you feel like you can't even make your own decisions. You know, some of the most basic decisions that it seems like it would be very simple to make because you were in a situation where it could spark an argument or a fight or, you know, some conflict in your home, you felt powerless. And and a lot of times it was just easier to let your abuser make those decisions. So now, you're out and you're on your own, how do I do that, you know? Mm, And it it even goes deeper than that. You know, you need to, you really have to get in touch with who you truly are. I went through an identity crisis, you know, and, and 
I never would have thought that that would happen because I felt like I had an, a great understanding of who I was. But then I realized that a lot of who I thought I was was because I needed to make things as comfortable as possible for me at home. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. my choices. It was just what was going to be easier. So, yeah, and, so that's. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm listening to you and it's really funny. Um, as you stated you know, in your statistic, it's interesting that you can get a group of women together and they may not acknowledge the fact that it has happened to them, as you stated, but mm-hmm. the conversation, the, you know, the, the dialogue that they have amongst each other and with each other will tell you, you know, that the different, the different phases of where they are. Right, have some, Exactly. You know, yeah, you'll be able to tell from this person's conversation that they're completely over the situation and they've regained mm-hmm. and re- reclaimed themselves. And you can also spot mm-hmm. the ones that are still struggling with, I don't know what happened and how it right. happened. And then you have the right. ones that are like, who am I? They're, they're still and exactly. then that last group that keeps gravitating back to the situation because they're not exactly sure if they're in a situation or it's just a one-time issue. Right. And sometimes it's a matter of change, you know, as human beings, we don't we're not comfortable with change. And whether it's good, bad or indifferent, change, it, it's different. It's different than what we know. So we don't we tend to want to stay in those comfort zones. So even, you know, and I was guilty of that as well in my situation. It was like, you know, you know, I know this is bad, and I know I really shouldn't continue on in this relationship, but I don't know what's outside of here. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what people are going to think of me. What are people going to say about me? I don't know how people are, are going to accept this. Am I going to look like the bad guy? That kind of thing. And so all of those questions, you know, are swarming around you, and it's like, you know what, it might just be easier to just deal with it. I've been dealing with it. So if I just continue to deal with it, I know what things set him off. I know what things will, you know, cause a problem. And if I can just avoid those and smooth things over, you know, it, it won't be so bad. Mm-hmm. So um, that's part of the problem is that we as humans, we just don't like or, or I shouldn't say don't like, but are not comfortable when it comes yes. to changing your life. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, in, in in situations like this, it's almost a life or death situation. It is. It is. Well, I was a fighter. I've always been a fighter, and mm-hmm. I had refused to let anyone treat me any kind of way. And when the situation happened, I started fighting. I guess they thought I was completely insane and left me alone, and it never happened again. Mm-hmm. But it took a minute for me to realize that I'm fighting for my life right now. Right. You know, right. Exactly. I'm supposed to care about this person and this is how they're treating me? Oh, no. Uh-uh. I said this is the last fight I'm having in this situation and I was gone. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was a one-time thing and I was just out of there and I was like, this is crazy. And it really does. And, you know, what it does, what I believe it does is it makes you question your decision-making ability. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's really hard because especially when you're being 
bed, a lot of times abusers, and, and I can really speak in my, in my situation, um, if you're being told that you make bad decisions and, you know, I don't understand why you would do that. That just doesn't make sense. When you're being fed that constantly, when it comes down to making a major decision like that, those thoughts come back into your head. Is this the right thing to do? Am I blowing this out of proportion? You know, is this something that, you know, people go through, couples, they go through things, you know. You just question everything. And a lot of times it's in that space of time where people will say, you know what, I'm just going to stay or I'm just going to go back because, you know, I, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm making this more than what it was. Mm-hmm. Um my my uh my husband actually was my abuser and he uh we had a situation we had been married almost about 2 years and um he actually assaulted me one night to where the police had to be called and mm-hmm. uh we were living in Las Vegas at the time and it was it was an intense and and very physical assault and so out there when the police are called Somebody's going to jail. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Whoever doesn't have the bruises is going to jail. So um, he he went to jail that night. And as bad as I know it was in my mind, as much as I know that it was wrong, and as much as I wanted help that night, I bailed him out three days later. I stayed married to him another six years after that um, because at that point, you know, he actually called me from jail the next day and was like, I can't believe you let them arrest me, you know, and, and that's the kind of control that a lot of times the abuser will have over their victim. It's, it's like it's just one thing that they need to say, and it puts you back in that place of questioning everything. So now, I'm, you know, he's telling me, right, exactly. He's telling me this is our marriage and nobody should be involved in our marriage except for us. And you let them do this and you let them come in and take me away. And I can't believe you did to the point where I'm apologizing, Mm. you know, and now when I look back on it now, of course, you know, hindsight is 2020, but at the Mm -hmm. time I remember what it felt like at the time. And I, I felt bad. I felt guilty. I felt like I need to go get him out and we just need to work this out. We need to work through this. Um, thankfully, and I thank God that it, you know, the physical assault never happened again in the course of our marriage, but he just got more cunning with it. You know, he got more manipulative and it was more verbal abuse and, you know, Mm -hmm. the control factor, you know, things like that. So, yeah, it, wow. it, it, wow. it's rough in, you know, when you're in this situation, it's really hard. And then you have people that will judge you based on those oh, decisions. Yeah. So so then all you do is internalize everything because you don't feel like you can trust anyone. So, yeah, so I am, it's, it's my hope that when I speak, and I, I do speak to a lot of these groups that um, during Domestic Violence Awareness Month and hopefully throughout the year more, um, that I can shed the light on that aspect of it. You know, when people ask me all the time, why do people stay or why do people go back? I, I hope to give them the perspective from the victim's stance, mm, you know, so that they can. That's good. That empathy level can, can 
you know, come up a little bit more. Because I've had people yeah. that have come to me and said, you know, my friend is going through this, and I'm trying to help her, but she keeps going back, and I just can't handle it no more. And that's understandable, but, you know, I try to give them the other side of it and, and what their friend may be thinking or may be feeling. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And that's yeah. really good because we need to have more people speak out because a lot of times people don't realize that they're in that kind of situation until someone sheds some light on it. And you have the, right. um, it's the mental abuse, it's the verbal abuse, it's the emotional abuse, and the physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Yes, those are all, and financial. You know, are, oh, yes. Oh, boy, financial, yes. And those are all yes. the things that you they often overlook because people only associate domestic violence with physical abuse. And it's, right, someone and it's hitting not. them. It's so much bigger. Right, and it's so much mm-hmm. bigger. And so... You're writing a book also. So does your book cover this or is it about something other? Yes, actually, um, the book is actually written. Um, oh. It is in editing right now. So, And I'm really, really, really excited about that. The name of the book is The Purple Passage Beyond Existence. Um, and because I, I feel like, you know, when you're in these situations, you are simply existing. You're not living. That's not living life. That is just an existence. So, um, and yes, the the book does address uh, domestic violence situations. In fact, it is the first in a series of six, and um, it is actually, it's a fictional uh, storyline. However, a lot of the things that I went through are in this book. Um, as far as the abuse that's taking place, some of the the mind games that were played and some of the manipulation and things like that, Um, even a little bit of excerpts from the night that um, my ex-husband assaulted me, you know, is in there as well. So um, that's what I plan to do with the series is just Mm -hmm. to give people insight into the different types of relationships where the abuse takes place. So uh, I'm really, really excited for them to come out. Um, This first one should be out around March of 2017. Everything should be done and ready to to hit the ground with it. So I'm so excited about it. Now, may I ask, did you, was it an emotional journey writing this book and retelling your story? Absolutely. (laughs) It was emotional. Um, It's, it you know the the characters in the book do not reflect me and my husband and in, in, in actuality this first book is actually a lesbian couple um, because I wanted to outline like I said relationships that we don't think about when it comes to an abusive situation um, but in some of the things that the victim her her name is Sydney uh, some of the things that Sydney goes through were very, very personal for me. And so there were times when I've I've been writing this, I wrote the book, it took me a year to write the book. And a lot of that was because I would get to a point and I just had to stop. You know, it's like, okay, I got to take a break. Because when I'm writing, I'm there. I'm in that Mm -hmm. moment. And I, I, I started to feel, you know, all of the emotion around what was taking place. And so, um, it was hard, but it was healing also because mm-hmm. um, I was able to reflect back and, you know, 
think about it from the perspective of, you know, I, I'm not there anymore, but my God, look what, <laughs> you know, look what took place, you know, look mm-hmm. at all of the things that happened that could have been so much worse, you know, could have, I could have literally not been here, you know, mm-hmm. in some of those situations. So, um, so yeah, it was hard. I had to take a lot of breaks. You know, there would be weeks at a time where I just wouldn't write anything because I, I almost didn't want to go back, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I'm so glad that it, it has come, you know, to fruition. It is, it's been completed and I'm just excited to get it out there for people to, get get more insight into this topic. Oh, great, great. That's excellent because we need as many people out there shedding the light because we have so many young women, young girls yes. who are in situations that I don't even understand how they're getting into these situations at such an early age, but they're involved mm-hmm. in situations of the same magnitude. And Exactly. It, it's really detrimental to their develop their growth and development because if you start an out at 14, 15 in a situation, what if you make it to adulthood, what type of adult are you going to be? Right, exactly, exactly. And, and a lot of it, you know, which is part of, again, that purple passage that I have um, created, um, a lot of it comes from our past, our childhood. You know, there are things that we're lacking in some area, usually um, that's what's taking place that causes us or leads us into these situations where we are abused. For me personally, it was a non-existing relationship with my father. It just didn't exist. I was raised by a single mother. And, um, you know, I think in, in the men that I dated and the man that I married, I looked for something that I never had. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when you have that, that wanting and that desire, you know, it doesn't really take much for you to end up in these situations because, you know, they come and they're very, my ex-husband, he was very charismatic, you know, very smooth. And so, you know, you hear those sweet little nothings, you know, you don't, you, you overlook a lot of things. You know, I think there were signs in the beginning, but I just kind of said, oh, well, you know, nobody's perfect, but he loves me, you know. And for me, that was like the most important thing. So if, as long as I have that, we can we can get over anything. We can, you know, work through everything else. So um, I, I think that that may be the case in a lot of situations. Um, a lot of the people that I know and that I've met in um my speaking engagements and things like that, that have shared with me their stories, there was always something lacking, you know, in that area. There was either, you know, well, I was, I was adopted, and so I never really knew my parents. Or, you know, my mother, my mother and I, we never had a good relationship. My mother was an alcoholic. Or, you know, I, there were so many different dynamics and dysfunction in the household mm-hmm. as a child that the dysfunction just kind of follows them into adulthood, um, but it usually takes, you know, something like this to wake that person up. That's what it took for me, to wake me up and make me realize there are some things that I need to deal with before I can move into the next phase of my life away from all of this abuse. 
So um, it has to be a conscious decision, and you have to make a concerted effort going forward so that you don't repeat, you know, those, those same tendencies and end mm-hmm. up in, in another situation with a different face, you know. Mm-hmm. Same body, same, same mindset, same body, same actions. Just exactly a different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I can I can see that. I've had some friends. I've had some friends who had the I don't know. They just kept picking the same type of person, and mm-hmm. it always had the same outcome. And I just couldn't figure it out. And you you know when you said that people often judge you and you become silent and you start, you know, just being secretive, it's because of the shame and the embarrassment, I think, that you feel, that okay. you yes. you know your worth, but you can't yes. seem to get out of whatever that is. You're in that holding pattern, and you don't know how, and you don't want to say anything to anybody because they're going to have all these different opinions that you can't apply. And I think the biggest right. problem that we have is – one person's fix worked for them in that situation, but it may not work for you in your situation. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why you have to get to the core, get to the root of what your issue is. It's very personal. It's a very personal situation. And once you understand, you know, what your particular issue is, then you can start to heal in that area. You know, mm-hmm. for me, again, you know, like I said, I didn't have a relationship with my father. And um, I found out, at, gosh, it, it must have been maybe about four or five years ago that um, he passed away in 1995. So I, I will never have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, that was a, a part of me that created a lot of insecurity in my life. And, and when you have these predators out there that are literally looking for someone who is insecure, you know, they have security in so many other things. They have the persona that they are strong and independent and, you know, can, can deal with what life throws at them. And they're aspiring to have a, a nice, you know, enjoyable life you know, have a pretty good job, maybe in school trying to better themselves, Um, they they latch on to you. You know, they latch on to you because they see your uh, potential, but they want to control your potential. They want it to all be for their benefit. And so um, that's why it's so important for us as individuals to know who we are, you know, be secure in that, and, and not accept anything less um, until we understand and know who we are within ourselves and in, in, in our creator, we will accept things that are just placed in front of us because we, a lot of times we think that's all we have. I have to tell you, my mom, she told me something once and that she only had to say it once. She said, look, I went through all the trouble to get you here. I ain't bring you into this world to be anybody's punching bag. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, got it. I got it. And I told my daughter, I told my daughter, I said, look, if anybody has the right to say anything about how you act, what you do, 
and the the way you are, I have all right. Mm-hmm. I said, because I carried you. I brought you into this world. They ain't have nothing to do with that. And everything. So right. I don't think what I want. Anybody else say anything? They need to come and talk to me if they got something to say because I'm responsible for who you are. Exactly. Exactly. You are absolutely right. Some people have the audacity to think that they can re-raise someone else's child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yes. and again, you know, for in, in my situation, um, my family, a lot of my family members actually did not like my ex-husband before I even married him. They kept quiet out of respect for me because to them, I was this strong, independent woman. I never even allowed them to see my insecurities or to know that, you know, when I'm at home alone by myself feeling lonely and feeling vulnerable, that I'm this weak individual, little girl, really. Um, so they, out of respect, they they kept quiet about it. And um, every now and then, you know, it was obvious to me. You, you know, you see little signs where you – you know, you got people, they kind of looking kind of funny or the, the, the greeting is a little bit dry. So I knew that there were some people that did not necessarily care for him. Um, but my mission, at least in my mind, was that I was going to prove them wrong. You know, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. He's really a good guy. You know, he, 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 he loves me, and that's the most important thing. And so anything else, we can figure it out. We'll work it out. Um, but like I said, after the assault, of course, you know, with him going to jail, that was a pretty clear and obvious issue, you know, and, and he left mm-hmm. me battered, literally battered with bruises and swelling and bleeding and all of that. So, you know, my family knew about that, but the fact that I chose to stay, um, you know, that brought about a lot of question in their mind, but yet and still they dared not ask me anything. And so because I knew how they felt, you know, I felt for the next six years, I felt like I cannot tell them this because they'll say, I told you so. I knew it. You should have left a long time ago. And I didn't want to hear that. I just Mm -hmm. did not want to hear that, you know. So I was just so determined to try to make this relationship work. So I stayed in it. and, And I kept telling myself, but you know what? He hasn't hit me anymore. It was just a one time thing. You know, but he, like I said, it it just became verbal after that. It was just, you know, he would slam doors and, you know, intimidating and doing things like that. So so I felt like things were better because they they weren't as bad as they were, you know, even though it was still abuse. Um, So, but, but. Finally, you know, it it just got to the point where I was like, you know what, I can't live like this anymore. I am not happy. I am not happy. And I'm like, life life has got to be better than this, you know. This can't be all I'm made to do and here for. And I'm I'm a very outgoing person. I'm very sociable. And he stifled all of that. He was so controlling. He didn't want me talking to people he didn't know. Um, literally, I would go to work, and he would call me at work just to hear who's talking to me in the background. <laughs> it sounds, I'm yeah. laughing because it sounds crazy. It does. But, it does sound crazy, but it is, that was my life for, for years, you know. And it was, a nor, it was a normal life to me because 
I was used to it. You know, that's just kind of how things were. Literally to the point where um, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> I was at church one Sunday, and um, he came in and said we, we actually attended separate churches because he was a, a musician for a church. And so he would come to my church after his service was over, and we would be wrapping things up. But this particular Sunday, he comes in and he sits down, sits down next to me. And you know how the pastor will say, you know, turn to your neighbor and say whatever. And so mm-hmm. my pastor said that, and there was a, a young lady sitting in front of me, and she turned around and smiled at me and said whatever the pastor said to say. And he snatched my arm and said, uh-uh, don't be speaking to her. I think she got a girl crush on you. Don't be talking about her. <laughs> and it was the most outrageous thing I had heard. Even sitting there, I was like, you can't be serious right now. But he was very serious. It was just that control thing. You know, he felt like, I don't, I don't even know if he really believed that about her, but he felt like this is the situation where I feel like I'm out of control a little bit. Somebody's actually being friendly towards you, and I'm not sure what the motive is, you know. Um, so so I, was, I was very distant. I didn't really have a lot of friends. I just, it was like work, church, and home. That's it. I, I didn't go anywhere. I stopped wearing makeup because every time I got up in the morning to get dressed to go to work and put on makeup, it was like, who are you going to see? It was always a question. Who's at work? Is somebody trying to talk to you at work? What's going on? You know, it was just easier for my life to just stop. So I did. So everything well, about who I really am, I shut down. Well, I guess now you can say to everybody, how do you like me now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's kind of, it's, it's so funny because being a model, a plus size model, and I'm in the limelight so much now, always made up, always dressed up. Um, it's it, it's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum from where I was. You know, I could have never had this life with him. There was mm-hmm. no way. So, yeah, this is a complete change. Yes, and this is amazing. I mean, this is a conversation that I, we could have because I don't know, I don't know one woman who hasn't encountered something similar. It exactly. may not have been someplace where they stayed, you know, arrested a long time mm-hmm. or invested time into, but I think we all have, and even men, I'm not going to just put it on women being right. victims yeah. of domestic violence, but men are also victims of domestic violence as well. Exactly. And exactly. So, you know, right it, now the statistics are one in one in five men have had a, a domestic violence situation with an intimate partner. Um, at some point in their life. And, and again, these statistics are based on reported incidents. There are so many incidents that happen that never get reported. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I would venture to say everyone has had it at some point in their life. You know, I would say 99% of people have, have had a situation where it, there was abuse. And mm-hmm. so for, to, to, to look at those numbers, I feel like we are not having this conversation nearly enough, you know, especially with our young people where it starts. 
you know, um, it, it seems like it's starting younger and younger, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the the climate of society right now is is violence all the way around. You know, it's not just domestic violence, but it's you know, there's violence in the streets and there's violence, you know, on our jobs and you know, it's it's just it's we Everywhere. need to be talking about it. We need yes, mm-hmm. we need to be talking about it more often, and we need to have. I think part of the issue is that we're not having real conversations about it. We're not allowing the rawness of how bad things can get, get into those, you know, the ears and the minds of young people because they think, oh, it's not that bad, you know. He was just playing, you know. We we have become so desensitized to it that it's not a big deal, but they don't understand that it snowballs and it gets worse. And mm-hmm. people are being killed because they're brushing it off as, oh, that's just him. He didn't mean it. He doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. by it, you know, that kind of thing. Yep, you're absolutely so I'm, right. I'm hoping that my stories, my books, as they come out, they are showing that rawness, you know. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I actually feel like it can be a little bit offensive, some of what I've written, but I feel like the topic is offensive, you know, and so people need to be offended in order to understand how serious it is. Yes. Now, where can people find you, you know, speaking engagements and stuff like that? How can they follow you? Well, um, on my website, um, which is www.msmisscarriedavis.com, um, that's where, that's kind of uh Carrie Davis Central there. I have a little bit of everything there, the modeling, the speaking engagements, the advocacy. Um, My book, once it actually comes out, will be available also on my website. Um, But I also, of course, have all social media, um, Miss Carrie Davis on Facebook, um, Plus Model Carrie on Instagram, and on Twitter, I'm actually Miss Madison County. Um, that's my, my pageant title. So, Okay. Okay, yeah. excellent, excellent. I mean, we've had such great dialogue here this afternoon, this evening, and I mean, I would love to have you come back and, and we can speak more on this particular subject. And, I mean, because it's so, it's, it's so vast. It's, it's huge. Yes. And there's so many small aspects of it. And I think that addressing some of the small aspects of it gives you an opportunity and an ability to be able to maybe help somebody even more. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, because there are so many different ways that um, people can find themselves in situations where they're being abused and they may not even realize it, like you said earlier, they may not even realize they're being abused in the situation um, this is a conversation that could just continue on for hours and mm-hmm. hours and hours. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it would it would absolutely be my pleasure to um, come back on and and talk more about it. Absolutely, I would love it. I really would. And you know, I think it. I think we should just set it up and everything. So I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story, for being you know honest and open, and because yes. it's important because. You know, you're human just like, you know, I am and my listeners are. And to know your story, I guess it attaches you and makes you more, 
I guess you could say more um, normal more human. human. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, to yes. them, and, and you I know, mean, and they can relate. Right. Absolutely. And and more importantly, I want people to understand that that's not that's not the end of your life. Like you can completely transform your life. I am the living proof that that can happen because, I mean, from where I was, I would have never guessed, you know, five years later outside of my divorce that now, you know, I'm speaking to people and I'm modeling and I'm advocating and I'm, mm-hmm. I've written a book. I never would have thought I would write a book. That's just, that just was not my thing. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, but now, you know, like I said, it's just, there is life beyond the abuse. You know, I'm actually in a relationship right now that I've been in for three and a half years, and it's amazing. You know, oh, I, he treats me with so much respect. Thank you so much. Um, and, and, you know, he knows my story, and he appreciates who I am. He loves me for who I am, and he encourages me, get out there, you know, tell the story. And, you know, even with the modeling, I mean, you, know, you have to know there are a lot of, men that are looking at my pictures and commenting, but he's secure in himself not to feel threatened by that. You know, mm-hmm. he knows mm-hmm. that, you know, our relationship is a healthy one and, and it's going to continue as long as we continue in it, you know? So mm-hmm. I want people to know that life doesn't end, you know, when you walk away, it doesn't have to. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, like I said, it was a pleasure, and we have to do this again. We have to pick this up and move it forward so that people can, you know, understand more and understand better, yes. know the signs and all those other little, the small things that they can pick up on beforehand that would cue them into whether or not they're headed into dangerous territory or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so whenever you're ready, um, I'm ready as well. And I would like to take okay. the opportunity to thank Monica for providing us this platform and this opportunity to know each other and to speak and discuss this very important topic. Absolutely. Thank you, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to, you know, have an amazing evening and stuff and the rest of your week. I hope it's great. And I always like to leave my listeners with like one final word. And usually I just tell them, you know, take care of yourself, follow your dreams and be blessed. But I want you to have that opportunity tonight. Oh, wow. Thank you. I'm honored. You've given me your space. (laughs) Yes. Well, I just, I just want to say again that, you know, um, life is full of possibility and all it takes is for you to discover what your purpose is in life. Um, your purpose is very personal. It is divinely orchestrated, divinely created. And I just want to encourage everyone out there to seek out that purpose. And it may be the very thing that is bringing you pain right now that can lead you into the direction of your purpose. So God bless you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I would like to say good night. <laughs> good night.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.